Hello, people. We're, I, I'm in a ranty mood today. I've done my rant, so it's John's turn. Yes, it is my turn. It is my turn to rant and complain. So there is a lot of conversation at the moment on the internet about leadership and leading and all of that lovely stuff. And some of the things I've been seeing is making me a little bit annoyed. One of them in particular is people saying that to lead, you have to let go of parts of yourself. No. 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 There is a common train of thought in society as it is because of how society has worked and designed and all that lovely stuff that there is something wrong with us that has to be fixed. And I've ranted on this many times before, but I will do it again because eventually it will be heard. Everybody thinks there's something wrong with them. And instead of working with how they already are at this current time, they are obsessed with trying to fix it, thinking and assuming that there is something wrong with them. The whole systems conversation that happens on the internet right now is all about fixing problems with yourself, trying to make yourself better, more efficient, effective, organized. Buzzwords. Love them. Buzzwords. There's all bollocks. It is all total bollocks. How? Oh, yes. I'm curious. So I I obviously I have a a few perspectives on that. When you say letting go of themselves or, or removing themselves, is this a filter for what they're showing on social media? Or is this a you just need to remove it entirely? Yeah, it's the, oh, I'm a perfectionist. I must stop being a perfectionist. This is a good example. It's like, I can't be a perfectionist. Now, there is a point to when perfectionism does not work for you, when it doesn't actually help you, when it stops you from doing what you want to do. That is different from not being a perfectionist. A perfection, to me, perfectionism is perfectionism. Being a perfectionist is not necessarily, (laughs) I get that in the end, a bad thing. It just has a place. Out of curiosity then, Mm. a perfectionist, Mm. are they a perfectionist all of the time or just some of the time? That is the point. The kind of common belief is you've got to get rid of all perfectionism and just not be perfectionistic and not be not try to do everything right and just just fully embrace the this and the that and do it really badly. Yeah, yes, that is a way of getting started. That is a way to begin, especially if you get paralyzed by it. But what I'm referencing is once you get to a point in like direct it undirected perfectionism where you are just obsessing over everything doesn't serve you there is a place where it does not serve you if something isn't serving you move it to somewhere it is it's not the fact that there's something wrong with being a perfectionist it's just undirected it's not pointed in a direction it's not put anywhere and it's just controlling everything 
what's the difference between perfectionism and professionalism? Professionalism is this way. It's it's about the other person. This is my personal perspective. This is not necessarily fact, but this is how I see it. Professionalism is about their perception of you. Perfectionism is your perception of you. Perfectionism to me is internal. I'm, I didn't try to be perfect for other people. I just wanted to put something out there that was something that I liked, that I was happy with, that I wanted to share. That's all that mattered. Professionalism is an external force, is external, not internal to me. Yeah, yeah, that is similar, similar in my mind. Professionalism relies partly on external judgment, whereas perfectionism is mostly internal judgment. Uh, and, and the reason I brought that up is because I think there is a inside of the business world, specifically me looking from an outsider, because I'm not that well into the business world, um, is that there is there is this assumption that you need to be a perfectionist to be professional uh, in, mm. in some areas. You, you need to do all of these things right to mm. be a professional. But I don't think that's true because you don't have to be on every social platform doing all these things at once and getting everything perfect at once to be a professional. No, you, you can just be on one and make loads of mistakes and still get it right. Uh, <laughs> so it's I, less, I think- it's, yeah. And I think that's really irritating is the fact that to be professional, you have to be perfect. And I've heard it from, from many people who I respect, like, oh, if you don't show up looking the way that you're supposed to show up, no one will buy from you. Well, that's a load of shit. That's a load of shit. Someone gets on a call with me, they will want to work with me. That is just it. Not because I look a certain way, I wear a certain item of clothing or I produce in a certain way, but because it's about the connection between the two people. And I think this is maybe perhaps a little bit more on the coaching and the productivity space rather than another business. But I would, I'm not sure I completely agree with that, but in terms of helping people and supporting people, which is all I really care about, to be quite honest, like, it doesn't matter how professional your stuff is. What matters is how you sort of own it. Like one of the things that I'm doing these days is I will say right now, my systems are not perfect. They never have been and they never will be because a system is something that is developed over time and is changing and is constantly moving. It's always in motion. If it's a system that is static, it's broken as a problem. The system is broken if it's ever static. I hate static systems because what's the point? I mean, that goes into complexity theory, which I'm still exploring and having a lot of fun with right now. But Dynamical systems theory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, yes. Because we can self-organize. It's just we've been told that how we self-organize is wrong. And we have to self-organize in a proper way, in the proper way. And that drives me insane. You're going to have to be careful because you're starting to bring IP and ED out of the Bruno bucket. I know I am. (laughs) You're starting to bring it out. Look, you introduced me to all of these things and I'm like, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. And I haven't even written no notes yet. You haven't written no notes. Yeah. English. Now I bother. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, obviously the the Bruno Bucket information can stay there. But what you're saying is 
I think a lot of people can relate to that as well when it comes to the relationship between professionalism and perfectionism, because from, from my experience, looking at a lot of students, the students want the perfect, best, ultimate, whatever adjective you want to dump in there, system, notes, app, whatever. They want it to be perfect, but it can't be perfect because they don't know what perfect is for them yet. Um, and there isn't really a perfect anyway, in my opinion, but we'll stick with that word anyway. I don't like it. Um, no, I hate the word perfect. It drives me insane. I think you can strive to perfectionism, but I don't think you can ever get there. Um, you could potentially be perfect when it comes to objective measures. So you knock down all of the pins. That's perfect. That's a number value. I'm talking bowling right now, pins, bowling. Yeah. Uh, why that came up, I have no idea. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm very intrigued with it. It's like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, no idea where bowling came from. But um, but yeah, so that that's perfectionism or perfect. And then for professionalism, I think professionalism in a student sense is is it doing what it needs to do to get the outcomes that I want it to, i.e. am I learning enough for most of the time, the test, the essay, the assignment, because most people inside of education, formal education, uh, don't care about learning, they care about education, and there is a difference. Um, oh, yeah. And the professionalism of a student would be, am I getting the grades, the, the quality assurance grades, the percentage marks, the whatever, um, and my rant a little bit earlier was, on the lecturer's side but it's student satisfaction are the students satisfied with their education they might be satisfied with their education but they might not be learning anything and that's professionalism not perfectionism <laughs> yeah um at the moment i'm reading a book called courage to teach it's the courage to teach something like that um which shares an awful lot one of the co concepts that i'm really pulling forward into what i do is having the subject at the center so instead of having this like lecturer up at the top and the students beneath and all of that and the subject is there the subject is the core point the whole point is this subject and we are all exploring it together instead of it being one this person just blabbing it's so much it's yes go on so this is a really interesting paradigm shift that's happened inside of education which you may be you're probably familiar with um but you look back in time the teacher was at the top, the student was at the bottom. Now the student's at the top and the teacher's at the bottom because the student can do basically what they want and they don't get in trouble. And teachers can do like nothing and they get fired. Uh, <laughs> so now the student's at the top, i.e. the client is at the top and the teacher's at the bottom. Yet we've known for years that student-centered, player-centered, individual-centered, client-centered, whatever uh, artifact is, it needs to be in the middle. Not, not top or bottom, not hierarchies, yeah. IP, um, but a cycle, a circle, a system of systems in the middle. Um, yeah. And I don't think the shift from top, bottom hierarchy will change unless there is a societal change in the way that we look at education and learning, which is going to take <clears throat> decades. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's a lot of what I'm... What is being missed in business is that subject at the center what is the subject at the center now people in terms of my personal experience like me they want to work with me that's what they find good they want they want the results obviously they want the results and the results come through my brain and how i work so i can't not put myself at the center because that's actually what they want they want me to help 
them. Now, that's what they need to see. What is actually happening is it's them at the center because I'm just like, let's move me there and put you there. There you go. And we're together on the side rather than it just being one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, can I, hear, I, I can hear you and I'm just like, let's go. Yeah. I My, my perspective on that is that's... <laughs> It's too 2D of a view, but I understand mm. the analogy and why you've used it. Um, because in my mind, there is the, well, obviously there are multiple systems inside of complexity theory, um, but inside of one system is you in the middle, inside of another system is the individual in the middle. Yeah. And when those two systems are together, both of you are in the middle. Yeah, um, it is very, I did 2D yeah. it for the sake of simplicity <laughs> and explanation. But yeah, yeah. it's, and I think so many people view it as in it's either one or the other when it can be both at the same time, all the time. That right there epitomizes the difference between IP and ED. IP, information processing, is perception, action. They're two different things. In ecological dynamics, they're paired. Perception, action yeah. together, they're coupled. Um, yeah. And that is the, it's, it's a really different shift in the way that you think. And even people that naturally think in elements of ecological dynamics, when they come across certain things, I'm sure you sort of saw that um, with the video you watched, you'd be like, what? How do you think like that? That doesn't, what? <laughs> like you, you try and figure out how that would work in the context that you're in, because it doesn't, doesn't quite make sense because of the assumptions previously made. Because when you pair these things together, you suddenly have all of these conflicts because of, what society has made us think like memory is this store is it though yeah <laughs> yeah um, it, it it's really what i found fascinating from looking into this and i've only watched one of the videos that you shared with me because time um <clears throat> but just watching that one video i'm like oh that's why this feels like this and that makes more sense than it's unanswerable questions not necessarily being answered but having context added to them and i think that's what's quite enjoyable from the experience of like we are just and, and moving it back into business we mm. assume we have to have these offers these core offers these working one way we have to have a niche and our niche has to include that these types of people do these types of things i help these types of people to do these types of things so that they can do this that is just a concept for yourself. It shouldn't be externalized. If it has to be externalized, there's a problem. It's, a, it's an exercise in helping you understand how you work and who you want to work with. They don't care. I think because of the bias towards information processing and the way that people see things in categories and labels, the marketing of businesses the marketing of what you do potentially should be in that way so people can understand what's actually going on because a lot of people don't grasp dynamical systems theory because it's complex that's what it is um, and it's not mainstream by any means so marketing in a language that they can understand makes sense but as, as long as you're clear about the approaches that you're taking something that um rob gray speaks about a lot is just because you've taken a different approach 
or just because you have a different philosophical view doesn't mean you can't use the tools that the other view has. You yeah. just use the tools in a different way. It's like if I've got a hammer, I can I can I can use the hammer. I can use the hammerhead. I can use the nail bit at the back. If it's a double hammer, you both sides. You could use the bit of wood if you want. It's not very effective, but you could. <laughs> like it's a tool. Use the tool in a different way depending on your approach. Um, and that's that's how I see um, your approach to coaching is you have the same tool as everyone else a lot of the time, whether that's an app or a software or a methodology, a framework, whatever, but you use the tool in a different way. Yeah. And the <clears throat> using, I think, is your explanation, like going going through in the call. Yeah, exactly. And, and that is, I think, what is missing from a lot of business conversations. It's the... There is one tool to rule them all. There is one app that you have to use. There is, you know, moving beyond that, there's one business model that's the better of the other. There is, you know, you must have a signature offer. You must niche to a, an nth degree. But if you niche too much, then that's also bad. So you've also got to be in the middle of that. But I'm never going to tell you what that is because I don't actually know. And that's Because there the isn't thing. an answer. Because there isn't an answer. And it's about, like, business is guesswork. It is just pure and simple guesswork. And everyone denotes to have the answer and say what, what is correct and what is not, because that's what people like. People like that. But it's not true. One of the first things I say with a lot of clients is this may not work. You may not get the answer you want from me. But I will do absolutely everything to give you what you want. I will do I will do everything I can. Again, that right there epitomizes the difference. There is an emergence of the answer rather than someone knowing the answer and you getting mm. there. Mm. ED, we don't know the answers. We're going to explore multiple environments with affordances, constraints, and loads of other complex words I'm not going to bother bringing in. <laughs> but you will get to the answer or a answer that works for you in the context that we've built up the environment in. Whereas the other approach is, hey, this is where you're going to get to, and these are the steps that we're going to go through to get you there. But that might not actually be where you need to be because let's take a... a a physical environment like to as an example say let's pick golf different sport um and you learn a golf swing on the flat you could learn that that movement that skill great what happens when you're in the sand what happens when you're on a slope how how does that movement change well you don't know because you haven't practiced there at all so do you do the same movement you just move it like slightly one way slightly other do you have to change the club like what part of that skill changes? And inside a business, when you learn to do something, you go step one to five, whatever, making videos, publishing stuff, building systems. Great. What if the environment changes? I, you have a kid or you move country. <laughs> then what? Your whole system falls apart? Well, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. And that's often what happens. And that's what we see with even, even the people who teach the productivity systems, their whole entire system suddenly just breaks down. And then it's like, yeah, because you built a static system because you were too busy marketing your system instead of living your system. Instead of being in your system, you have just boiled it down to something that doesn't actually fit you, which is the point, which is the whole point of a system as it, it stems from 
how you are it starts with you and then the environment comes in and how the environment influences you influences your system as your business grows and changes your system should evolve too if it doesn't one you're lying because it does you just don't know it yet and two it's broken but of course we think that it's us that's the problem we just have to force ourselves into that space of well, I just need to do this and that and this and that and fix this and tweak that and then everything will be fine. No, it won't be. You don't know where you're going. So I've always found like 10-year plans pointless. How the f- do you plan that far ahead? Like, <laughs> especially especially after the joys of COVID and all of the lovely stuff that we've dealt with, how the hell can you predict that in your 10-year plan? Like, I, th- I think they're useful to give direction. But that's about it. But I, do- I don't think they need to be written out that much. And I mean, I'm not going to go into goal setting and goal planning because <laughs> that's a whole can of worms. Um, but open goals has been something that's been pushed quite, quite a lot recently. I don't know if you're familiar with open goals. Um. I think so, but recap for everyone and me, just in case. <laughs> so it's essentially an open goal is more beneficial to a new learner or someone less interested because they're not constricted. So smart goals, throw it out the window. Uh, and it's just a, hey, go for a walk. There you go. <laughs> that, that's your goal. The, the next goal is go for a walk a little bit longer or go for a different walk or do something else on the walk. There's, there's nothing specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound. And then if you're going to go smarter or smartest or smarter or smarter with two E's, so many friggin abbreviations, um, throw that out the window. Um, they're not that's smart. Fine. They're stupid. <laughs> they're useful for individuals that have expertise in the skill to start with but then they don't need the smart goals because they already know where they're going they have specific targets because they've made them from the environment emergence anyway so the open goals are more useful for the majority of people and when you look at the five-year goal if it's more open you're more likely to go towards it but an open goal then isn't a goal per se it's just a direction hey i'm gonna head that way i'm gonna go for a walk at some point this year great (laughs) Yeah. And I think having that, my resistance to goals has been very much, I've said it multiple times, direction is what I'm more interested in, which, which, where am I heading? Because that's all that matters. Because my environment is going to change. My kids are getting older. I'm getting older. Like everything is changing constantly. Don't see gray hair yet. (laughs) Yeah. It's just because it's at the back. Um, You know, we're all aging and things are changing and the environment we live in and the world we live in is changing rapidly. And it's, if your business is reliant on others to an extent that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I was going to say something, something that's interesting about what, what we were saying earlier about the systems and people pushing systems and, and productivity stuff is you'll see it in the comments of videos all over the place, on so my channel included, um, people saying, how did you do this? Or how did you do that? And I'm like, that was a month ago. That was a year ago. In some cases now, that, that was two years ago. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't use that anymore. Uh, and the system at the time worked for me or whoever the creator is at the time. And the person seeing it for the first time 
it's completely you're, you're in different time scales like i'm i'm a whole two years ahead of where this person is with regards to my system development uh so i can't give you accurate answers about how i used it i know i know roughly how i used it and i think i did this and i think i did that but i'm now biased towards the system i use because it's more effective for me right now um and when people sell things sell systems specifically sell templates which mm, i don't like um but when you're selling a template over a long period of time they will become outdated for you and potentially outdated for the users but they could also be coming in date for users as well which is where the the dynamics of time interfere interfere <clears throat> they just they have a a relationship with whatever it is that you're selling, whatever service you're giving. Some people will want it, some people won't want it. And depending on what's happening in the world at the time, the the income, the uh, demand may go through the roof or may go through the floor. Yeah, yeah. How, how and I think, that? Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And often from experience, the best stuff I've ever done Oh, when I'm fully in, I hate the word alignment, it's annoying. And yeah, when I am with myself and start from me, the offer works. Whether it sells is a different matter and a different case. I'm not necessarily saying it will always sell. Attunement. It, attunement, yes, attunement. When I'm so when attuned, you're attuned with the environment, that's a, a yeah. When I yeah when when I'm attuned to the environment and myself, and the two match and the two meet, the offer will work. It just often what I see is business owners too busy trying to do what everybody else tells them to do, because they're being told to do it, and they are missing themselves. They are missing who they are and where they are right now and how they interact with the environment that they are in. They are too in tune with what other people are doing and just copying others and going, well, look at this person. They're doing this. This is really cool. They're doing this right now. I'm going to do that. Why? Why? Because someone else is doing it? No. Why do you want to do it? What is it about that that makes you want to do it? Is it because someone else is doing it and they're successful? successful <laughs> and if you just do that it becomes it's weird your clients can feel it well i, I was going to say when you're when you're faking something obviously in social media right now there's the whole court case and stuff and people faking things on the stand etc etc i'm not going to go too far into it but you you know you can tell yeah. when people don't mean it when they're when they're faking it and it, it's a human skill that we develop when we're young to know when something is real or not real or whether there's some sort of fakeness uh, <laughs> i don't think that's a word but an, an element of, of fake acting essentially with actions behaviors meaning and you can tell if someone isn't sincere or isn't truly invested in something by the way that they're doing they're working about something and you can tell inside of work people say oh they're being lazy no they're not being lazy they just don't care <laughs> like they're still doing the thing they just don't care uh, and it, in one of the sports that i'm involved or i was involved in trampoline sometimes when people competed routines you could tell they just didn't care for the routine. They didn't like the routine, but you can't judge on, on effort. Like in, in trampoline, you can't judge on effort. If it's a straight line with their body, 
then it's a zero. You can't deduct anything, but you can tell they just don't care. Like they're just floppy, but it's still straight. You're like, oh, I want to deduct, but I can't. And it's the same in business. It's the same in a lot of activities. They might be doing what they're expected to do, i.e. hitting the marks, hitting the goals, hitting targets, blah, blah, blah. But you can tell they don't care. And there's there's not the passion drive behind what it is that they're doing, especially in conversations. And I mean, everyone knows that as, a, as like listening to teachers and lectures. Oh, shut up, please. You don't care. <laughs> it might be right information, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And I think with that as well, it comes. <clears throat> be I careful. think it circles round with what you said at the start. Yeah. Like if you care it doesn't mean it has to be perfect either like that is a that is a distinct distinction i want to make very clear because i know that there are perfectionists over performance most of my audience are perfectionists over performers because guess what that's who i am yeah i am showing up with all of me they are coming then that does not necessarily mean it's just like it's not the you know show up and they will come no i still have to work at it doesn't mean i don't have to work i just have to make sure what i'm working and what i'm doing is in attunement to where i am right now in the experience that i'm having with the environment that i'm in with the desires that i have and what i want if i'm not it won't fucking work no matter what i do i can hack and trick and use all of the lovely psychological manipulation skills but they will hate you for it if it doesn't fit you and then something i've noticed recently especially with copy like copywriting so in business the copywriting is a thing i think most people here are businessy type people but copywriting is when you're trying to sell and market and it's all copy is copy everything that we say is copy but often what people do is they use these templates because they think that's the right way to do it. But there is absolutely zero soul. And it shows. It's not the person. It's not the human being that inhabits that space. They are not actually there. They are just going through the motions of, of copying what other people say and the titles that they say and the headings that are there and the, and the offer. And I had a client who was talking and, and, and hired someone, they hired someone and it wasn't working. And my question was, why? why, what, you know, it's not fitting them. It doesn't fit them. And they knew it, they could feel it. And you can, if you know yourself well enough and know where you are right now with the environment that you're in, you will see it. And that's just, being another thing popped in my head that's the reason why we hate past stuff we've done because it's not where we are now doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily mean that it's you you know it's not disgust at yourself it's not self-deprecation it's it's i'm in a different place right now i cannot believe i said that this isn't me anymore yeah yeah, this isn't me now, but it was me then. I think it's also uh, important to put in there, it could be you in the future as well. You could go back to it, but you don't know yet. <laughs> we, we, we live and work in the unknown. We, we, we can't know. Yeah. Yeah. There is no certainty in business. 
no matter what anyone else would tell you. There's no certainty. I mean, there's no real certainty in life, to be fair. But, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to go anywhere with it because all my brain is doing is going into my research and it means nothing to most people. <laughs> I'm trying to work out how it relates because you you say certainty. What comes up in my mind, I'm just spitballing here, is uncertainty. Uncertainty in terms of IP is called free energy, uh, which is from the free energy principle of Carl Friston, which is a he's a theoretical physicist. And essentially, free energy in his mind is energy that hasn't been directed at a specific prediction yet. yeah um because he assumes bayesian brain hypothesis so we predict and whether we are accurate or not creates prediction errors which is active inference in active inference or predictive processing uh meaning similar things they're not exactly the same but they're very similar um and free energy is his term for uncertainty inside of these predictions that could be impacted by expectation uh, and he suggests trying to somewhat minimize the free energy, minimize the allostasis, which is the body's ability or, or trying to get back to homeostasis. So homeostasis is like, this is the middle. Allostasis is the process of trying to get back to the middle. Uh, and the free energy, the more free energy, the more allostasis has to happen. That's a very basic explanation. Um, but the idea is to try and limit all of this free energy, limit uncertainty. However... If you limit uncertainty, you limit the ability for you to be wrong. Therefore, you limit the ability for you to learn. So it's it kind of goes, it, it's going to depend on what you want to do. But if you're in a learning environment, in theory, again, this is all theory that isn't proven. Um, in theory, you want more free energy. You want more uncertainty. So in a business environment, depending on what the business is, you may actually want more uncertainty. That's a very long way long way of explaining it but you may want more uncertainty so that you can learn more it's about choosing your level of comfort yeah and knowing what that is you have to know where you're comfortable how much risk you know it's risk aversion Mm -hmm. it's how much are you risk averse and choosing that level and being clear on where you are right now and where you want to be and what you want to do and how you and what the environment is and going, okay, right now I am not wanting to take too many risks. I want to keep it safe, but I accept that I'm not going to learn as much. I think one of the things that um, strikes me uh, of people's perception of me and how they view me is very brave and courageous doing stuff that is way beyond what I have, like looking into, you know, ED. How is that relevant? Why does that, well, it's very relevant to me, but to other people, it's like, well, just be comfortable with you what you You didn't know it was. You didn't hmm? know it was. That's the thing. I, obviously, we yeah. had a conversation last week about um, after, the, after the podcast about sports coaching, sports coaching literature, and the relation between sports coaching literature and business literature and how sports coaching typically is like 20 years ahead um and that's that's not me being biased that's just what happens smart goals started in sport and went into business um most of the things inside of business have come from sport or they've either been theorized in business been applied in sport and sport performers and then used in business because they needed some sort of proof before they could use it so they 
they use sports as, as like a, a dummy <laughs> dummy arena um but i think so many things i could say right now but i'll be good <laughs> yep uh but i i think because ed is the the way coaching is moving forwards it will be where business goes eventually or some parts of business i won't say all parts but some parts of business will go eventually and it's sort of like unless you're in the research field inside of sports coaching there's probably other fields that have like that are in front of sports coaching i don't know what they are because i don't know the field yet um but that that's where you need uncertainty you need that oh okay i'm going to have a look at this really random field or topic and and see how it relates which is why you need to do lateral reading which i think is a, a mark manson thing um lateral reading like drastically outside of the area you're researching just to see if there is any relation which sometimes there might be I mean, who who would have thought sport and business probably more than than i gave then again i have now got the knowledge of it being that so yeah let's put it this way then would you say the skill of learning how to hit a golf ball relates to earning a seven-figure business because it is skill acquisition learning ed seven-figure business is ecological dynamics you wouldn't have thought how to how to coach someone to hit a golf ball would relate to the same theory as how to earn a seven figure or more business yeah but it is oh that's so fascinating Mm -hmm. i know (laughs) i think that that yeah i'm just like yes but a lot of people don't like it and the the world of sport is so separate when you're in the the high performance world you have high performance athletes high performance coaches and there are a lot of high performance sports individuals that are involved in all of these different things and then the business world is just this other separate thing i mean the flow state comes from sport and then it just got dumped into business (laughs) exactly do not get me started on that topic there are pros and cons (laughs) because so help me I hate it. It's so annoying. Like they think this is the, it's this nirvana that will mean heightened, like perfected per- productivity and everything will be fine and blah 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 blah. Well, yes, in theory, come come to the real world, and you'll realize how actually hard what you're trying to do is, and also how most of the time <laughs> you won't get there. This could be a hot take right here. Um, <clears throat> but I, I find that a lot of the research that comes from sports coaching and sports science and high performance work that's put into business is misunderstood, mm-hmm. misrepresented, mm-hmm. Uh, and then creates a lot of misconceptions inside of the business world. So when people try and use these principles, they always they get it wrong a lot of the time um, because the person that's teaching them about it doesn't actually understand what it is and what it means. Goal setting. Another example. Habit formation. Another example. Yes, quite a few of those. <laughs> I mean, behavior change just in general. You look at behavior change scientists uh, and they disagree with a lot of what happens in the productivity space. Yes, the overarching principles are similar have a trigger have a cue build up small blah 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 yeah great that that's obvious everyone can figure that out because 
that's how we learn as children. We can't even speak and we figure that out. <laughs> we, we, we innately know that. Again, direct perception, ED, anyway. Um, indirect learning, uh, which I ranted at Tiago about a little bit on Twitter because uh, some of his tweets grind me. Uh, but yeah, and <laughs> the, let's get back to the point, Danny, shall we? <laughs> the, what, are you, what are you smiling at? And, uh, no, we could behave. <laughs> um but but this this sort of perspective i can't i can't even focus but yeah this this sort of perspective of learning from indirect learning from an environment learning from whatever this is it's the transition from sport to business is it's difficult mm. but i don't think it should be difficult if that makes mm. sense yeah yeah very much so but unfortunately and this could be a bias, it probably is. The people who are genuinely looking into this properly, like people like us and me to a lesser extent, but they're, it's not as sexy. That's true. It's just not as sexy. Self-determination theory. You know? It, Metastable it's, attenuation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sexy topics code oh yeah much sexier like exactly it's not sexy so it doesn't get it takes a lot longer for things to come in but i am noticing that shift there is a shift it's bloody slow and can everyone hurry the hell up um and catch up to where i've been for a while now um but then again in three years time i'll be there and there's someone there probably looking at me going can you hurry up please the, the thing that just made me giggle is I was thinking about Rob Gray's titles of his podcast. Uh, and I look at the title, I think about the title and then I think about the, the title of like productivity videos. And I'm like, I don't think any of the people in the learning productivity space would even know what the terms in the titles are, <laughs> let alone what the podcast is talking about, uh, which I just find amusing. Yeah. I find amusing. And I don't know whether you've noticed, maybe you have because you've moved into the world of ED a little bit, but everyone that talks about learning talks about IP. Everyone talks about IP. Working memory, retrieval, practice, active recall. Great. It all assumes IP. What about ED? <laughs> you don't assume it. And then, and then when they start talking about other things, they're like, oh yeah, but this may change and that may change. You're like, oh, right. So the thing that you said to start with is actually a load of rubbish. A perfect example, which might, people may be able to grasp quicker, is flashcards. People that suggest you use flashcards then most of the time say, but you need to put the flashcard in a context. How do you put an answer to a flashcard in multiple contexts? You need multiple flashcards, which makes which makes a flashcard redundant. It's the same as learning the golf the uh, golf swing on a flat surface, and then you needing to hit it on multiple surfaces with multiple clubs in multiple ways. The flashcard is only useful for that question. What if you change the question? What if you don't understand the environment? It changes. So the retrieval practice of the flashcard is useful to an extent, but as soon as you change the environment, ed things go out the window and and then the video suddenly becomes redundant and i'm sitting there like you've just done this seven eight minute really good explanation of an ip approach and then you've tried to bring in ed and gone ah nope <laughs> because it's not easy to understand oh no i know i know and no one's talking and you can't about and you either. also can't fit it in to a seven minute video you could if you knew what you were talking about 
I, th I think you could if you knew what you were talking about. I think the biggest, this is one of the things that Rob Gray has said a couple of times, which makes me giggle. Uh, and I see it a lot. Uh, it's this transition of paradigm from IP to ED. You will see people from the IP camp try and go into the ED camp. But you very rarely see people from ED go to IP. You very rarely see that. <laughs> and it's like people from IP are like, oh, we've got all of these answers, but we don't really know this stuff. So we're going to go over there. Or is ED go, we've got all these answers. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. And I think that's the... <coughs> We're in the middle of a shift. Like, and I think that's the exciting thing for people who don't think in the same way as the commonality of what society wants us to do. They feel like there's something wrong and they have to force themselves. I was trying to avoid saying neurodivergent because I know that makes you cringe. Um it's but just another category label. Yeah, we've already said loads. I know. Um, people who think differently, who don't see things in the way that other people do, won't look at this stuff because it's not brought forward, because they don't understand why. My preferred approach to this is something similar to what Seth Godin has said about uh, marketing and the mm. early adopters, the late adopters and sort of like the middle ground marketing uh, like group. Some people will be early adopters of new theories, new ideas, new tech, new tools, irrespective of whether it's going to work or whether it's not. They just want to be the new thing. They're the people that buy the new iPhone as soon as it comes out, even though it's no different from like seven versions ago. Um, stupid. <laughs> then you've got the people in the middle that are sort of the, the mean. They're the average. They're where most people are. And then you've got the people like way back in the in the like Stone Age, still using Evernote. Um, <laughs> yep. Burn. Uh, but the, the, the dynamic of teaching and learning, that, that middle ground is still heavily working memory. Um, and I wouldn't say ecological dynamics is like new because it's not new. Gibson came from like, what's 76, 67? I can't remember which way the numbers are, but it was, it was around the same time in cognitive psychology. It's just people haven't pushed it. Um, and I'm not saying it's the right answer either because I don't know if it's the right answer, no. but it's forefront. It's... And it's answering things that IP doesn't answer. Yeah. Um, so bring, bringing that back to the original point that you made right at the beginning of the episode with regards to um, authenticity and people not being themselves, etc. IP suggests that there is a model, there is a correct way to do the thing. Mm. Whether, whether that is not necessarily, okay, you have to move all of your body parts or you have to do all of these things in one way. It's just a, generally, this is how you do the thing. That's an IP approach, and that that is a correct way to do something. ED is a mm, we'll figure it out, which is yeah. very hard to do in business. You can't just say, "Hey, we'll figure it out," <laughs> which is why I think a lot of people are still going that direction of this is the correct view because, like I say, the the majority of the market are this is the correct way of doing things. Yeah, and that's why the big people are big. Yep, because people follow it. Yeah, which is annoying and boring. Nice, nice way of bringing in business into IP and ED. So there'll be more. Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, or do you think we've covered it all? No, oh, pretty good. Pretty nice. good. Signing out. <laughs>